The Perpetual Inquisition acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and recognizes the continuing connection to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the elders past, present and emerging. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, The purpose of life is not to be happy. It is to be useful, to be honourable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. I wanted to share this quote with you, fellow Inquisitors, because I felt that it encapsulates what my guests and I talk about in this episode very well. I'm so excited for you to hear the conversation, because it's a bit of a shift from previous episodes. But before I get into that, let me introduce our guests. Pravik Solanki is a Doctor of Medicine student at Monash University and previous docs of Baldwin High School with an ATAR of 99.95. So really, it's as close to perfection as you can get, which should really tell you something about what a hardworking individual he is. He has a passion for education, research and quality healthcare for all. Over the years, his hands have been colored by many pursuits, including nine committees, two of which he was a founding member, spanning health, education, and the humanities. Seven research projects, including his honors degree on improving access to healthcare for transgender, gender diverse, and non-binary individuals. He also holds a diploma of liberal arts in philosophy and has volunteered in rural India to improve education on alcohol and drug abuse. He has also volunteered right here in Australia to teach communication skills to international students at university. He is guided by the spiritual pursuit of three ideals, truth, beauty, and human connection, which underpin not only his work, but also his very being. Pravik and I met at university in a leadership program where we were both in the second year of our respective undergraduate degrees. In the time that I have known him, I can safely say that his bio summarizes achievements very well, but more than that, he truly embodies the three values of truth, beauty, and human connection that he holds dear. A genuine human and a wonderful friend. He did me the honor of being a part of my podcast so that he could share some of his journey and experiences with you all. Before we dive in, since this is just going to be part one of two episodes, I've decided to hold off on my personal reflections overall until the next episode. I apologize in advance if the ending seems abrupt. Without further ado, here's Pravik. Thank you so much for joining me on the Perpetual Inquisition. So why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Angel. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Um, so hi, everyone. My name is Pravik Solanki. Uh, I'm a medical student and a researcher in my final year of university. And I also do a lot of kind of volunteering and committee work. So I feel like I wear quite a few hats um, as firstly as a junior doctor uh, in the making, um, kind of as an academic and then as a volunteer. So maybe I'll talk about all of those kind of in turn. 
Um, so firstly, I'm soon to be a junior doctor and I'm really passionate about promoting good health. Um, and I see this kind of in a two-pronged way as contributing hopefully to a really good healthcare system that we have here in Australia, but also uh, just promoting, you know, people to have a positive relationship with themselves and their own health. And I guess I see health in a really kind of holistic sense. Uh, it's obviously physical health, obviously mental health, um, but it's also, you know, social uh, well-being and even spiritual well-being, however we kind of define that in our own way. Um, and the second kind of hat is as an academic. So I do quite a lot of research um, and I'm, I'm very passionate about that as well, um, particularly data-driven research that is kind of leads to better healthcare in some way. So right now um, I'm working on five different projects, which is quite a little bit, but uh, maybe I'll quickly give a brief um, overview to give uh, everyone an idea of the kinds of things I do. Um, so the first project uh, looks at different models of care for transgender and non-binary people seeking gender-affirming health care. So uh, in a big part of this is uh, hormones. Um, so traditionally, uh, hormones in this way uh, were prescribed by specialists, uh, you know, through psychiatry and endocrinology. And um, it's quite a long process. Uh, and we've had a long, a big increase in demand over the last decade. And hence, we're kind of exploring if GPs can perhaps play a bigger role. Uh, in prescribing hormones, uh, which would just make things a lot more accessible uh, for a lot of people. The second project, and that was, sorry, that was my for my honours uh, year, which I did this year. Um, so that was the research I did. The second project looks at um, steroid abuse. So uh, we know that quite a lot of people, particularly who um, are involved in bodybuilding and weightlifting, um, use steroids to gain muscle. And we're really looking at the um, hormonal side effects of this. So things like you know aggression and mood changes. And we're just seeing how much of that is reversible and how much of that is not reversible. And hence kind of uh, whether we should be giving testic uh, testosterone replacement therapy um, to these patients or which patients we should be giving that to. The third project looks at uh, predicted cardiovascular disease risk in people who have uh, a disease called primary aldosteronism, which is a hormonal cause of high blood pressure. So we know that about 10% of people with high blood pressure who present to their GP um, have this disease, but it's undiagnosed in almost every uh, case. And so we think that current algorithms for predicting risk, um, which we use all around Australia, and we're talking, you know, things like what is your five, 10 year risk of um, heart attacks, of strokes? Uh, we think that uh, the current algorithms underestimate risk in people who have this disease. And so we're really exploring that further and seeing uh, what we can do to ensure that these people don't fall through the cracks. Um, the fourth project looks at, uh, we're doing a survey of LGBTQIA health education uh, in medical schools around Australia. Uh, we've just closed that survey recently and we've had over a thousand responses, which has been really, uh, really great. And we think there's a lot of gaps in uh, how that is taught kind of uh, in different medical curricula, but we want to just map out those gaps and just get a bit of hard uh, data on that so we can um, hopefully advocate for um, better education, which, um, you know, hopefully that because that is those are the future doctors of tomorrow. So hopefully that can lead to uh, better health care and kind of a long stream um, approach. And the fifth project uh, is looking at a ethical framework for developing um, artificial intelligence for mental health. So I feel like when we hear the word artificial intelligence or AI, uh, 
probably people think about like robots taking over the world and, and things like that. Uh, but really what we're talking about here is things like using machine learning on electronic medical records and, uh, you know, on social media data even to try and, for example, predict suicide risk. Um, things like this, a lot of novel techniques that are coming up, um, which we can use uh, to, to understand things better and to predict things better. But of course, this does come with a lot of ethical considerations as well. Um, and that's what this project is looking at to see if we can develop some sort of framework for designing AI in these kind of spaces in an ethical kind of way. So that's, uh, again, I'm so sorry, but those are all the kind of research projects I'm currently involved with. Um, and the other things I do from uh, kind of as an academic, um, so I'm on the editorial team for the Australian Medical Students uh, Journal. Um, I also have done a fair bit of teaching uh, this year. So I worked as a communication workshop facilitator at um, English Connect at Monash University. So we uh, do a lot of workshops for teaching communication skills and things like public speaking um, to students who want a bit of help in these areas. And we particularly see a lot of international students and we're really able to, to help them in particular. So it's quite a rewarding um, uh, job that I've had. And I've previously been a debating adjudicator as well. So I'm you can tell I'm probably quite passionate about, um, you know, good education and how we can develop those skills in ourselves, but also kind of teach that and, and promote that in others as well. All right, perfect. I'm happy to get <laughs> all of them right, because um, they're all such interesting areas and, and some of them are interconnected, of course, but they're very different as well. Um, and so before we explore each of those projects and, you know, the work that you're doing and aspects involved in in these projects like I kind of want to go to the core of it and that is you know what inspired your interest in um, healthcare in these in these different fields uh, that's a really good question um, I suppose you know growing up I was always a very curious person I really liked to learn I really liked science um, and so a lot of these things that we you know learn about in health uh, were, were really they just caught my attention. So I guess point A, I was, I was really interested and I was kind of, I suppose, good at it as well. Um, but then the reason I didn't go off and do something like engineering uh, was that human connection and kind of helping people in a direct way is, is so important to me and is really kind of core um, to, to who I am and kind of the values and ideals that I kind of pursue. Um, and, and again, I, we can talk about that um, more as well, uh, moving on, but uh, you know, medicine really allowed me to, to, to tick all those boxes, and I'm I'm really grateful that um, that I was given that opportunity uh, to do so. And I think I have a lot of kind of goals, so I, I really do want to you know care for my patients, obviously in the most uh, effective way, uh, but also in the most emotionally genuine way as well that I can. And that's about you know being a good listener and being there um, and hearing what their concerns are. And it's not it's not so much about you know me as a doctor pushing my own agenda of what I think mm -hmm. someone's health should look like but it's about that two-way interaction and and seeing what their personal goals are as well and it's there again it's that teamwork element that I think that I really um, value uh, that's as a kind of as a doctor and then as an academic I guess um, I, I just really want to be a really good researcher and a good collaborator with other people um, and I'm particularly interested in, you know, uh, doing research in areas that I think are under-researched and where I think there are gaps in the healthcare system. Um, but I'm also really fascinated by harnessing the power of um, data. And I think, you know, we are increasingly living in a world where, you know, big data and data collection and all of these things are becoming really, uh, really growing and more, more and more important. Um, and 
uh, I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this concept of the fourth industrial revolution. So this is some. This is now we're stepping outside of healthcare. So this is just talking in general, and I think this spans across pretty much um, every discipline. So we're seeing this process of change where you know we've already had three industrial revolutions. The first was around steam power and particularly the steam engine. The second was around electrical power and how we can you know use like uh, wiring to to move um, power and electricity from one place to another. Uh, the third was uh, industrial revolution is something we're all very familiar with computers and IT and and all those kind of things and the fourth which we're living in and it's kind of a really emerging one and, and still kind of not necessarily well defined um, is around uh, data driven technologies and how that's kind of um, playing into our social and also like biological worlds as well so this is all about big data this is all about social media it's about things like genomics uh, we're just having you know more and more access to more and more data and what does that mean for us um, as a society and how does that change um, kind of different disciplines and how different industries work and I think a big part of this because you know our human brains are really good at processing information and particularly social information and interacting with other people and so on but when it comes to you know all of these huge data sets and things like that um, I think you know, machines, this is where machines can step in. And this is where things like machine learning, um, I see great potential in. Uh, and so that's, that's, I'm really fascinated how that can, uh, how that is unfolding and how that will unfold in the healthcare space in particular. And so I hope all of this kind of can lead to healthcare that's just more efficient at the end of the day. And, and that where we can see where the gaps are and how we can, uh, how we can improve. Um, and I guess to give a kind of a bit more of a concrete example, I've, I've talked a lot about data and you know all, all these kind of fancy concepts. But um, one of the a research projects that I recently finished and we um, got it published in a journal um, earlier this year, I was looking at a particular blood test to screen for um, that uh, disease that I mentioned earlier, primary aldosteronism, uh, which is uh, high blood pressure caused by a hormonal imbalance. Uh, and actually the blood tests we do to screen for this disease, we found that um, there was quite a lot of variation by age and sex. Um, and we found that by, you know, just pouring through the data. And what that means, Angel, is that, um, you know, women, men, people of different ages, uh, we find that uh, this blood test can underestimate uh, and, and miss some people. And, you know, that's a, when we're talking about something like this, that is all about, you know, the risk of heart attack and stroke. Um, and for something that's so preventable, um, I think that's a, it's a really kind of important area. And I was really happy to, to be part of that project um, and see kind of, again, where that gaps are, what, what does the data say, and where does that kind of lead moving forward? So, as you can see, I'm like a, I'm a very curious person. I, I love data, I love information, I love learning about things, and so you know, medicine, research, and, and all of that was really, uh, really fascinating for me. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy and glad that I can uh, play some part of that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and you know, I completely get that because I myself am a curious person by nature, hence the <laughs> the podcast. Yeah. And um, my obviously my areas of interest lie not in science, but more um, arts and that thing. But I still yeah. do enjoy learning. I still do enjoy learning about science and stuff. I just, I think for me, it was more uh, while I enjoy learning about science and exploring it, I just don't enjoy studying it in that sense. Yeah, I, I just, um, just hearing about the way you talk about medicine, it's, it's just so fascinating just to be on the outside being uh, given a doorway in to understand all these different aspects. Because I, I think one of the things about learning science and learning medicine that often 
concepts can be lost in you know fancy words and and things like that and unless you have that knowledge um you may not necessarily understand what people are talking about and so i feel like you've you've broken it down in, in a way that you know even i who've never studied medicine before can understand the importance and the need for this kind of research so um you've done a really good job actually in explaining all that to me thank you <laughs> Oh, thanks. Uh, very, very happy to. Um, and if I'm allowed to, Angel, I, I sort of want to take this a, f a step further as well in the sense sure. that, um, you know, all of these things that I do and that I enjoy that, and that I hope I'm good at, um, but it's really driven by kind of um, things that are much deeper and things that are not really discipline specific either. And maybe, mm. uh, maybe you can relate to some of this as well in the sense that, you know, me as a person, um, I... Um, essentially pursue three different kind of human values or ideals and I do this quite consciously and quite quite thoroughly and I think this ties in well with you know the arts and things as well so I, I do want to tell you um, about it if I can. Of course go ahead. So for me the three kind of ideals that I pursue are truth, beauty and human connection. So I'll just explain what I mean by all of these. So by truth, I mean the simple question of, you know, what is real? And I think we live in like such a, they use the word post-truth. We live in this post-truth world where, you know, anyone in their mother's basement can post something on social media and like that's, there's no real sense of accountability and, and the sense of what, what is true and what is not, is, we're sort of losing track of that. So to me, that's such a core thing. And whether that's something in the sciences or the arts, I think truth is kind of a universal thing and, and something I always uh, aspire to. The other aspect of truth, I, I guess, is more personal than that. It's about being a genuine uh, and a real person. Um, and I'm sure you can, uh, you can kind of attest to this as well in the sense that it's about knowing you know, why you do what you do and knowing that you're in it for the right reasons and that it's something that really resonates with you and something you feel you're, you're good at and that you actually have a connection with. Um, I think all of that to me falls on the truth and it's something I really um, consciously kind of pursue. The other ideal is um, beauty. So, and by this, I don't really mean vanity. By this, I mean, um, you know, the arts, you know, emotion and, you know, being in touch with yourself, being creative, um, but also being kind. So, you know, all those things that fill you with hope, you know, you know, kindness in the face of cruelty and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, I think uh, it's just, it's so um, fundamental to kind of what I, what I'm kind of aiming and achieving um, through all of these kind of different things that I do. Um, and I hope it can sort of bring some of that to life. And as I mentioned, we live in quite a divided and atomized kind of society. So anywhere we can, um, where we can sort of find that, you know, people are really good, people are there to, you know, take care of each other and help others. And actually, there's a lot of hope and a lot of beauty in this world um, is something I always cherish. And then the third um, kind of ideal is of human connection. So uh, obviously, this ties in really well to our work uh, with the Youth Are Not Alone project. But it's about, you know, having a genuine connection with other people and, you know, the art of you know, having a conversation and but also of helping others. Um, to me, that all ties in with that kind of fundamental thing we share that between one person and another, um, which is so kind of even learning medicine, just to bring that back to, to my field, you know, we, we learn about the brain and, and, and there's so much of our brain in the prefrontal cortex that is just dedicated to like social reasoning and to emotions and to connecting with other people. And I think it's such a big part of being human and something that I always um, strive for and, uh, and kind of aim for, uh, within myself, but also that I admire in other people. And, and 
you know, I admire quite a lot of people. Um, yeah, you know, some people in their room, they have like pictures of their favorite rock bands and things like that. <laughs> I also have that, but I also, there's a part of my world where I put up pictures of people I really admire, who I see, who I perceive as having um, sort of exemplified uh, some of these the three ideals that I really kind of aspire to. And um, these three things, truth, beauty, and human connection, I reflect on every day. So I have a journal and sort of before I go to sleep, um, I just I just write a few sentences about how those themes cropped up in my day uh, with, you know, the work that I was doing um, uh, and how like that came into my connections with other people as well. So, um, I, and I've been doing that for years. And I think that process of reflection is just so important and you know we all have different styles of, of and, and different ideals different values that we might reflect on but i think having something that we reflect on is so important and is also why you know when you invited me to your podcast the perpetual inquisition um how i perceived the perpetual inquisition to be was uh was that process of reflection that we do um to develop and grow ourselves as people and that's something that i feel really passionately about and something that i yeah, I really wanted to share with you and to talk about um, because I think it's such a powerful thing uh, and it just can inform so much of our work and, and make so much of that uh, clearer to us. Yeah, uh, that was wonderful. Thank you for sharing, Pravik. And um, I can safely say that you definitely embody all those three values that you hold dear. Um, and thank you for sharing your process of reflection because you're you're right. The, the reason I started this podcast was um, I wanted to have that chance to reflect and I find that personally um, I learn so much more when I can have that conversation with people uh, with people around me and people that I I know and I care about and I consider as part of my community for me like I can learn a little bit by reading and I learn a, I learn a, as well as a little bit by listening um, to videos and and to people talk but but I feel the best way I learn is through active conversation and back and forth dialogue because um, I find that that sits with me a lot more because I'm participating in that conversation and so that's why I wanted to reach out to people that I knew because then uh, just from this we learn so much about not only each other but um, the values that we hold and how that influences so many things that we do and then from there picking out the wisdoms that resonate with you and then something that you can take forward in your journey as well so um, yeah, that's why I started this podcast. So thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of it and for sharing all that wisdom as well. That I really appreciate that. No worries. And I'm, I'm really excited to hear, you know, the other guests you'll have on the podcast as well. Um, I'm sure we'll hear, we'll learn a lot of wisdom um, from other people as well. The three values you talked about, you know, truth, um, human connection and beauty, is that what you is that what drives your selection of volunteer projects as well? Yes, definitely. I, well, I think it drives pretty much everything I do. But it, <laughs> but in particular, yes, uh, volunteering, I think, um, you know, and as you know, we've we've, we've volunteered together and we've, we've worked mm. together that way as well. Um, I just, uh, you know, that sense of coming together and identifying a problem and then trying our best to sort of solve it as a team is something that really resonates with me. I think um, like in today's age, there's a lot of, I guess, individualization and there's a lot of focus on, you know, the individual person and what their achievements are and so on. And I think, unfortunately, when you when you take that very um, uh tunnel vision view of the world and of what people are and what you know work and what volunteering is all about you miss the beauty of 
people working in teams and getting things together uh, done together as a group mm. uh, which i think is always the way forwards uh, and will increasingly be so um, even in a especially in a world where you know there's a lot of distrust between people there's a lot of you know trust towards institutions for example is at an all-time low i think we've got good mm. evidence to show that um, and people are very cynical um, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of focus on the individual in kind of in an unhealthy way so i think mm if we're able to work together and whether that's through volunteering or work or, or whatever it is um, to try and uh, tackle some problem, then that's always resonated uh, quite deeply with me. And in particular, you know, the issue of isolation and, and loneliness uh, is something that's, uh, that's quite close to what I believe in terms of human connection as well and how everyone deserves, you know, I, I, I guess I believe that everyone has a right to, you know, having genuine human connection in their lives. And I'll, you know, do what I can to, to contribute. We're always limited to our uh, world worldview and um, our experiences obviously shape our perceptions and the way we react with the world. And scientifically it's shown like the way I perceive the world will not be the same as the way you perceive the world because your experiences mm -hmm. will shape your understanding. And so it will always be limited if we if we always go at it our, by ourselves and especially when we want to address human connection and loneliness um you can't you, you the cure to loneliness can't be addressing it by yourself you know you can't no yeah by being <laughs> by uh, by yourself it uh, you can you bring about connection by by connecting and and even if you're on the team trying to solve it for other people you have to do it with other people um, um, so I completely agree with you. <laughs> um, and uh, the reason I wanted to bring about this out, because I remember in, initially when you were introducing, you had some thoughts you wanted to share about leadership and being a leader. And so I thought this was a good, a good time as any to, to discuss that. And um, so, yeah, whatever you want to share, please go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, you know, the, the word leadership is thrown around quite a lot. Um, and there's a there's a big kind of professional focus on, you know, developing the leaders of tomorrow and, and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and I guess uh, the, the bone to pick that I have uh, with, with some of how these conversations happen um, is that they focus a little bit too much on the actual leader when really that sort of misses the whole point. So when I think about, I guess, leadership or, or you know, volunteering or, or whatever word that I wanna put on it, um, it's about teamwork and it's about, you know, a, a good leader to me is someone who has some sort of um, vision about, you know, what they want the world to be. And then they go around convincing others and collaborating with others to bring that vision to life. Uh, whatever their discipline, whatever their field is, uh, that to me is is that quality of leadership um, is something that I think is, uh, you know, it, it doesn't have much to do with a leader as such. It's to do with that quality and how they interact uh, with others. And, and particularly, you know, being a leader is very different to being in a position of authority. And this was, this is something that I've really come to appreciate quite a lot um, in the sense that, you know, being the president, being the chair of something or, you know, having some sort of role um, is is just is one thing and it doesn't automatically make you a leader i've i've met you know really great people um in my life who i think fit the bill of having those characteristics um who don't necessarily have a badge and who don't necessarily have a, any kind of position um, and conversely i've you know unfortunately met people who seek out all these positions and there's unfortunately no real vision or foundation and they don't necessarily know who they are or what their values are um, and they're just kind of in it for the, all the wrong reasons mm. um, and i think that really comes across you know i, I think we can 
uh, understand, like we can see and detect when someone is genuine in what they believe and what they do and, and when they're not. So, um, and, but unfortunately the way we talk about leadership kind of incentivizes that sort of behavior sometimes. So uh, that, that's all I wanted to say. And, to, and I guess to anyone listening, um, when you think about leadership, try to think more about um, you know what is your vision what are your values what do you want to bring to life um, and what are people around you doing and how can you contribute um, and help and and you know bring something to life as a team uh, that's that should be what it's about mm. uh, it's, uh, more about service than um, self-affirmation I guess yeah exactly yeah yeah I, and I completely agree with you because I think the best leaders are the and it's used a lot, but I think the best leaders are the people who do not want the position of authority because they feel that responsibility a lot more than people who just want that position of authority for the sake of it. Um, yeah, yeah. And I always think the best leaders are those that are not concerned with um, what leadership can do for them, but what they can do for others. And um, yeah, and I think history has proven itself over and over again that that is what the true purpose of leadership is but it is my opinion of course and um, people might not share it <laughs> um, but you're right I think it's important to know oneself and know one's values because it is so easy then to get distracted by things that seem really great and you know this will this will turn out really well for me but then when you started it you realize that you know there there's I think there is a something to admire with people who stick by their beliefs and work on projects and just live their life by their beliefs. Um, it's, it's not very common in the world. I think a lot of people. That's, that's kind of why I wanted to bring up, um, you know, those kind of values and things that I, um, that I pursue, um, not necessarily to promote my values, which mm -hmm. may be very different to other people, um, but to promote that sense of like self-reflection and the sense of, you know, Try, that process of discovery, trying to find out who you are, what you believe, what are your values. I think in this world of, you know, social media, and you know, it's very superficial. Um, people lose sight of what's actually important. And a lot of people are not reflective and they, you know, they'd say that, you know, life has lived forwards, but understood backwards. And, mm. and I think that's very, very true. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't understand it backwards and, and and in missing that they i think do themselves a big disservice so i think probably if there's one big thing to take away from this conversation if anyone was to take something away um uh, uh it would be that sense of reflection and that sense of thinking um quite deeply about about who you are and i guess um i also just want to share kind of where that came from for mm. for me um because i didn't always know kind of what my values were or, or etc um, but i was really inspired by reading um uh, Benjamin Franklin's 13 Virtues. So uh, probably not a lot of people have heard of this, but I would encourage you to pause this podcast and Google it if you haven't heard of it. Um, and it was just kind of this really simple system that, uh, you know, Benjamin Franklin kind of devised for himself uh, when he was kind of growing up as a young man, where he um, identified 13 values, 13 virtues that he really wanted to strive for and really wanted to embody in all the you know, work that he did as a professional and as a person as well. Um, and, uh, you know, 13 is quite a lot, but he, you know, wrote out the whole list and then every night he would uh, reflect and see, okay, have I, did I achieve that particular virtue today? And because 13 is a lot, you know, he would focus on one of those a week and make that the main focus of, of um, you know, what he reflected on. So I think, you know, regardless of whatever format or whatever structure, or whatever way you reflect, I think having some sense of reflection and the way you do that quite regularly, ideally where you write that down because there's something quite powerful about that. Um, 
and ideally in a way that allows you to yeah find out what your real values are um is a really really powerful thing and i, I would encourage everyone um to try it and to engage in that process of self-discovery um for themselves thank you for sharing that because i know in my own journey for self-reflection it's been an it's, it's a process it's a journey and it's yeah. it's something that never ends and you know i i i recall saying okay uh starting with I don't know anything about what I want to do in life and then slowly yeah. slowly just figuring out okay what are my priorities what do I consider a job well done what do I consider giving me happiness at the end of the day and and you know it's still something I'm working on it's still and you know part of the podcast is is helping in that process I've like I mentioned earlier I know that I learn best when I have my conversations because it when I talk to people and they explain the the way they think it it helps me reflect on how I think you know um, collaboration brings about a much better result than um, just being on your own and obviously there are circumstances where uh, it's important to be by yourself for that self-reflection um but at the same time, having this conversation with you has definitely given me a lot to think about. So then when I go back and, and you reflect on what we've talked about, I understand, um, you know, I might learn something from you and, and say, oh, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. Let me try that out as well. Yeah, no worries. And I'm, I'm learning a lot from you as well, Angel. So don't yeah. worry. It's going both ways. <laughs> um, so just a few more questions before we go to the final rapid fire round, which is, again, another way for us to get to for the listeners i guess to get to know you and and your values a bit more um but you know the the this season i've termed covid conversations because obviously um this whole journey has been influenced heavily by the fact that we are in a pandemic and um that has an impact on a lot of the ways that we look forward to in the future because it's shifted a lot of priorities for me personally and it's shifted my perspective of you know, what's important and what's, uh, what to focus on versus, you know, what's not as important anymore. And so has that been similar for you? Has that changed how you've gone on your journey with, with the three values that you hold dear or has it just reinforced it? Uh, tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, sure. Um, so first of all, I feel like I, I got quite lucky this year mm. in the sense that I was doing my honours year and I was doing quite data-driven research, which I was able to do kind of from home without too much disruption, um, as opposed to a lot of friends who you know had a lot of their lab work and so on uh, very heavily disrupted. Um, so I, I, I want to start with that. Um, but I think to answer your question, uh, I think it reinforced the um, importance particularly of human connection uh, for me. And, you know, Zoom is great and it's, it's great to, you know, call friends and things like that. But, um, you know, actually seeing someone in person and having a human um, conversation is, I think, is a really, um, well, you know, in my worldview, it's quite a, it's quite a sacred thing. So, uh, but I've also, that having been said, been quite lucky to still kind of stay involved um, with like the Youth Are Not Alone project, um, as well as kind of other things that I've chipped into, like, um, for example, September, which I did a, a few months ago, uh, you know, walking 10,000 steps a day um, to raise um, funds for cerebral palsy, um, just like kind of projects like this to, to still make me feel part of something bigger, um, which I think is really important. And it's really easy to lose track of when you're sitting home alone, you know, in front of your computer, um, so yeah, that that sense of being part of something bigger, um, I think is is has really kind of stuck out of my mind, and 
I'm going to be very excited to go back towards uh, and back to the hospital next year um, to finish my final year. I can I can tell you that much. The whole pandemic obviously has um, changed a lot of priorities, I suppose. And um, did, have you found your priorities changed or have you found that, you know, things that you you cared about a lot prior to this is does not matter as much or, or maybe it's shifted and things that you did care a lot about it, you still care about but you've it's changed the way you've looked at it that's a, it's a great question and I, I don't know how to answer it but i <laughs> but what about what, what about you i might throw the question back to you um, um yeah for sure um it definitely has changed my perspective a lot because you know um i am a migrant that has come to australia and i am a yeah. A woman and so I've always thought um, you know I have I don't have a lot of advantages compared to like I do have a lot uh, of privilege and advantages yes but it I thought that I was always a step down compared to you know a lot of my, uh, people who have been born and raised in Australia for a long time and and you know not that I was resentful but it 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 just it weighed heavily because obviously on my journey on on because I love I love this country I want to stay here um, but it weighed heavily, obviously, in, in everything I do and the choices I made. And then with this pandemic, the flip side of it came to me as well. The fact that, you know, yes, you have this, but you have so much more to be grateful and appreciative about. My time this year has really underscored the fact that while it is good to be mindful of, you know, certain concerns or certain issues that you may have, because obviously that will affect your daily life, you sh it shouldn't overshadow or it shouldn't make you forget about all the blessings that you have. And so that is a lesson that I have learned. Yes. and But I, I just want to be really clear, Angel, we are very lucky to have you here in this country <laughs> and you're an amazing person. Uh, so I just, I want to, I just want to say that um, from, from my end, um, oh, but it's a really interesting um really interesting reflection i guess now that you mention it um i you know all the space that the pandemic has given it's just given so much space for reflection and i've i've thought uh i've thought deeply about kind of my own um uh, not only my own upbringing but i guess also uh from my family and and particularly my grandfather who um mm. Uh, if maybe if I could just tell you a little bit about him. So my grandfather grew up um, in a small town in Fiji, um, and he, you know, he would have these things where his his father would say, "Here, um, here's something to uh, to drop off at the post office," and here's like, uh, well, this was in the local currency, but let's just say, you know, here's like four cents, um, and you know, you can spend two cents taking the bus ride to the post office because the post office is like, it's near the airport. Because remember, this is a small town. Mm -hmm. um, you can drop the post, you know, you can you can uh, drop the package in the post office and then spend two cents, you know, riding back um, home on the bus. So what my grandfather would do is he would uh, spend the two cents, take the bus, go to the post office, um, put the package, uh, and then he would save the other two cents and walk all the way back home, even though that was more than an hour walk. And he would just save a very measly amount of money, Angel. Mm. Um, and then he would save up all this money, like very little amounts of money. And then eventually when he would have enough, he would buy a comic book. You know, because there was no, there's no internet back then. There was no Netflix. This was, you know, probably in the 60s. Mm -hmm. um, and so this was his form of entertainment. And 
I guess I've reflected a lot on how hard, particularly my grandpa um, and his generation worked, you know, just for such small kind of pleasures. Um, Mm. And in particular, my grandpa is, you know, just inspires me very deeply. So he wanted to be a lawyer when he was growing up. He was, uh, you know, really smart. He was an A plus kind of student. Uh, But but more than that, he had, uh, you know, he just had a really good heart and he helped out people a lot. um, And, and, you know, I'm sure he would have taken a lot of cases for free and things like that if he was a lawyer. Um, But unfortunately, he got pulled out kind of midway through his high school um, because Mm. he uh, he needed to take care of the shop that the family owned. And um, this was quite a common thing back then. Uh, but because he was taken out of high school, then, you know, he would then l- write to law schools um, asking if he could do a law degree by correspondence because, you know, mm. he, he just he didn't have the resources and he, you know, he was working and stuff. And uh, it's just it's really sad to, to just even reflect on that. Um, and uh, unfortunately, in the end, he couldn't go to law school and, and you know, he's since passed away. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, I, I think about that a lot. You know, my grandpa and his story is a really big, um, really big part of me and my values. And I guess the hard work that I put in, because I know that, you know, so much has come come in kind of intergenerationally. Um, and I also, I guess, why I feel really strongly about education. Um, mm. and, and one of the amazing things also was uh, when my grandpa passed away a few years ago, uh, we got all these kind of, all these people in Fiji were like contacting us being like, um, oh my God, like, thanks so much. You know, it's because of him that my son or daughter could go to school mm. uh, because he paid for our their education. Mm. Um, and we didn't even know about, you know, he never talked about this. This was the kind of thing he just kind of did, you know, back when he had very little money. Mm. Um, he would just see that people needed, uh, you know, money and, and he would he would help them out. And he felt really strongly about education in particular. And that's, you know, eventually he brought our family um, here to Australia. And, you know, of course, Australia is the land of the fair go. Um, and mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, I, I feel like I've had more than a fair go myself. Um, mm-hmm. And and I guess that's why I feel strongly about um, education, about opportunity um, and about sort of trying to give back um, through whatever work it is that I'm doing um, at that point in time. Um, so yeah, I, I guess the, the space of the pandemic has just allowed me to think about um, all of those things, and in particular my uh, grandpa's story and his, you know, his his on my inspiration wall because he's someone I really look up to. That's a wonderful story, and you know, I I absolutely love it because that's exactly the kind of reflection that brought me to this point where it's it's very similar to the the thoughts that I've had because. Um, you know, it is it is difficult to um, establish yourself anywhere. Um, and so often I've had that weigh on me, but then now with this pandemic, I've realized, you know, I'm I'm so blessed to actually be here because, you know, my 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 grandparents um, were in India and um, yeah. they weren't able to travel. They had an education and they were able to travel interstate, but within India, and I'm sure they would have wanted to go around the world and then you know Mm. through their hard work my parents were able to travel and they settled in Dubai and then because of their hard work I'm here and so instead of uh so for me it was instead of looking at it from you know this is this is a lot to take in this is a lot of this is a burden to carry uh and it's and sometimes, you know, being weighed down by it, it, flipping it and saying, you know, this is a blessing that I am here. And, um, you know, if I work hard, maybe I won't end up being here forever. But, you know, I would have learned something and I can carry it with me on my journey forward. 
So um, not that I want to yeah. take away from the importance of your story, but I want to sort of circle it back to yours because it's such a heartwarming story listening to that, especially how, you know, didn't he didn't let the lack of his opportunity make him resentful to others. Instead, he used yeah. it as motivation to help others so that they are able to achieve their dreams. And um, I love that. I love that how he flipped it. And so that was the understanding I came to. And, um, and uh, quite a coincidence that we both had similar reflections this year. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. And thank you for sharing um, as well. I, I, that's, I, I didn't know about uh, that about your background as well. And it's really, I'm always really fascinated to, to learn about people. And, and mm. um, I think, yeah, like circling back to some of the earlier conversation as well, you know, I think we live in a very divisive and, and cynical time. And it's just, it's always useful to be grateful for what we do have. And um, as you say, like flip it and, and focus on the positive and, and, you know, be an optimist and know that at the end of the day, uh, you know, the vast majority of the people in the world are really good people. And, and you know, we should really reflect on that and feel lucky that we're here. Thank you for listening to the Perpetual Inquisition. Stay tuned for part two next week. Podcast guest is Pravik Solanki. Chief Operating Officer is Simba. Chief Marketing Officer is Shireen. Music is called Summers Here by Ajay Stellino from Mixkit.com.